Let's get it. Yeah. Tweet Talk episode number nine. Rafael Charles. It's lit, man. It's the Goldstein. <laughs> Overseer of many things. <laughs> it's so funny. I um Rashonda Scott, she hit me up as I was walking in and she was like, we need to get the information for the podcast. And I told her, I was like, the rich, they don't work for money. And I realized, like, the truth, I always I always used to think, like, oh, like, that means that you're supposed to create money with your mind. You're supposed to generate passive income. But in reality, that just means you don't work, period. Like, all these menial tasks, it's not my responsibility to do them. It's my responsibility to conduct the affairs of them, meaning... I'm the I'm the maestro. I'm the orchestrator. So if I need to get podcast stats, I put somebody in position to get podcast stats. I don't spend my time getting podcast stats. Even so much as what I do now, it's not my responsibility to write a contract for a barbershop. It's not my responsibility to write a, a, a contract agreement. We pay for things to get done. Things get done. The business moves on. So that's kind of where I'm getting in my business is like I have to step away and be the overseer of many things and not work in the business, but rather on it. So, yeah, it was just funny that she said that. But I feel like I'm the overseer of a lot of things. It's it's a lot. Um, the barbershop, properties, we're doing stuff with HBCUs. It's just, it's nuts. I do so much stuff to the point where it's almost kind of overwhelming. Has the uh, barbershop, the mobile barbershop launched yet? So we're handing over keys this Sunday. I'll be in Atlanta uh, meeting with the barbershop uh, a tenant who's also like a partner. So it's a tenant partner mm-hmm. and he'll be getting the keys. We'll be getting the contract, getting the security deposit and first month's rent and we'll be rolling. Cool. 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 Yeah. The cool. cool thing is he already has a clientele. So we're not working with somebody who doesn't already have people who are going to bring in clientele. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean, it's only going to grow. We're starting with a solid base that's only going to grow. So excited about that. And I was talking about how um, what's really interesting is in the beginning, right? So we're over here like, man, it'd be great to brand this barbershop as this and do it this way. And you can make it so difficult on yourself or we can run the barbershop as is. And then in year one, year two, we can then reinvest our profits back into branding and how we want. And we didn't have to worry about going and asking somebody for a business loan or asking somebody to give us a, a handout. We basically just did it through the business. But at that point, we, we know the business of running a barbershop. So you can duplicate it in a, a mobile barbershop at that. So there's just power in the work and looking forward to just getting it started as is and then just getting fancy later. Yep, yep, yep. Sounds good, man. So yeah, August August one is the date, which is today actually. So um, it's sometimes the long distance stuff. You actually have to go to the site. So um, I gotta actually go there. Late night flight. Yeah, that's how it works sometimes. Um, let's see. So you said on Twitter. They own companies and name themselves CEO. 
You can do right. the same. Put your cell phone. I, I, I posted that because, like, a lot of times I walk through downtown LA and I don't feel like people look at me with the respect that I deserve. And I realized this. I was like, you know, like, especially if you work in a family business, you'll never be the CEO ever because it's not structured in that regard. Like it's family from father to son to other son, even if you've been there for forever. But I started to realize, like, we look at all these people who are like the CEO of this, the founder of this, the executive of this. And it's because they just chose to put themselves on. They chose to create their own business and, and manifest their own destiny. That's really the American dream. Um, it's so funny because the American dream and then what we're sold is the American dream are two different things. But what I found is it's like if you want to be a CEO, you make yourself a CEO. You create the company. You become the CEO. You Steve Jobs. You Zuckerberg. You um, the guys from Google it. You uh, Jack from Twitter it like that's how you be the boss we all want to be the boss we all want to be the head honcho you got to create your own lane but what I was getting at is um, I hate when I do that I go off on a tangent I thought I was going to come back because I had a really good point I was going to make there oh the American dream we're sold that the American dream is debt go to college debt buy a house debt but that's not necessarily true the American dream is coming from nothing and making something of yourself. That's the American dream. The American dream is what immigrants bring to America. They package up the American dream as a house with a picket fence, but that's not the American dream. That was just what they wanted you to think was the American dream. That was never the American dream. Um, it's just interesting. And so I, I think those two things go hand in hand. It's like, if you want to be the boss, I was like, I might just be an employee here, but in my own organization, I'm the boss not to conduct myself as such. And it's so difficult to combine the two because it's like you start looking at like your job and you're like, I really run my own organization as opposed to here. I work within an organization, but it's like all the ideas, all the solutions come through me and my, my organization. And it, it was just a, a mentality check. I put out a, a post today and I was saying, like, your job isn't what you're worth. We have a tendency to think that our salary is what we're worth. And that could not be farther from the truth. You are worth a lot more than what that job pays you. And I think that that's kind of what I realized is you, you got to take the job for what it's worth. And you got to create your wealth at 10 o'clock at night. You got to create your wealth at midnight. You got to create your actual what you are worth at midnight. And that's true for anybody. So... Yeah, put put your cell phone, man. That's what we did, Ty Capital, and it's grown so much because a lot of people don't have the confidence in themselves to put themselves on, just keeping it 100. Like, there are a lot of people out there who who talk about what we do, but not a lot of people who have the ability to do it. Um, kind of a rare breed in that we have all these different individual skills in finance and accounting and, and law, and it allows us to function as a business. So I can do the spreadsheets. I can do the, the, the contracts. Like that's actually a lot more valuable than what I uh, charge the, the investment club members. Like the ability to run the organization is a 100% skill set. If you don't know accounting, you can't do what I do. If you don't know finance, you can't do what I do. If you don't know the law, you can't do what I do. All those skills synergize into tied capital. So just, I, I think that it's just a revelation that I had, I kind of had today. So, Millie, he's the sauce. The mother effing sauce.
t-shirts coming soon. Yeah, that's lit. Man, hey, Black Wealth Renaissance, they um they hit me up a few mm. weeks ago and they were like, hey man, we want to put wealth as a team sport on a shirt and we wanna we wanna sell it. And so they were saying like it would just be kind of cool if like we just want to give you a heads up. And so like I was like, yeah, cool. Like I have no problem with that. 10X, we do everything. I don't say no to anything. You say yes to everything until you can have have to say no. You're forced to say no. And so they did it and they came up with the shirt and they sent it to me. And they're like, all right, we'll do a revenue split of this number and that number. And basically I'm gonna get paid to sell shirts that I really didn't brand, didn't market. I mean, I'll market it for them and with them. And you can find it on blackwealthrenaissance.com. But it was just dope. Cause it's, it's not just the quote that I've kind of become famous for um, his and her money actually wanted to interview with interview me regarding that concept. But um, I've, it was just kind of cool to see my name. Like the quote is one thing, but then to say, see top me in there underneath it. That was so cool. So yeah, um, I was surprised to see you. Yeah. I was surprised they put your name on it too. Like, yeah. That so was dope. Cool. I was like, man, that's, that's like legendary stuff. A long time ago, somebody told me, my, my friend, he was like, man, you're going to be a legend. Because what's crazy, what people don't understand about me is, like, I've always been this dude. When, I'll never forget, I went to freshman orientation as a college student, and I threw a party in the dorm room. Like, I've always been somebody who's been, been doing something, making it happen. We created flyers with post-it notes. My first year of college, we threw so many parties. I've just always been somebody who's been moving it. I never, I never wanted whether college was fun to be left up to anybody but me. And so I was always throwing, throwing parties. When I became a Sigma, I was always hosting events. We even did financial literacy events. We did a lyricist lounge where we had like a rap battle. We did step shows. I've done so much stuff. Like people, people think I just started doing this stuff. Like I've been doing this my whole life. And so like he said, like you're gonna be a legend is kind of crazy because Blackwell Renaissance, they're not in California. I'm dealing with people who are nationwide. Like I, people have to realize like the 10X rule really works. Like I put out so much content, so much stuff that strangers just flock to me. Strangers just listen to my stuff. People who are like notable flock to my stuff now. It's, it's, it's insane. Um, and the same is going to happen, happen to you, Raphael. Like the more you put yourself out there, the more content you produce, the more you write, the more you put out your own podcast, the more that you post on the, on the social media, you're going to create a brand of you that is worth more than any job can ever pay you. But what's crazy about it is the opportunities just compound. But what I was going to say is like Blackwell Renaissance, they're not in California. I wouldn't know them without social media. I wouldn't know Rashad Scott without social media. Right. A lot of people who I reach out to on, on a podcast tip or just in general, like they might ignore me, but then I look up and they're following me. Like the most successful people all follow me now. I just got followed by, um, uh, top hedge fund manager. That's his name. I talk all the time with Don Peebles oh. and it's just nuts. Like you got to put yourself out there. You got to continue. I mean, and you have to also have to be of substance. Like don't just put out a bunch of bullshit, but right. it's just interesting to see how the world opens up to you when you 10 X. Amy, uh, Don Peebles senior or the son? Oh. Senior. I actually, I would rather connect with senior than the son. I, I actually, I know a lot of people who've connected with uh, Don, Pep, Don Peoples, Peoples uh, Jr. Um, one of the first guests I had on the podcast, he had uh, he told me that he could connect him with me. Rashana Scott's connected with him. A few other people have connected with him. I I mean, 
it's cool, but the dad is is kind of where the real the real knowledge is. Both both dope people support them one hundred percent, but I want I want connections to the pops. Right, good, good, good experience and knowledge. I read both his books, by the way. Mm-hmm. Good, right? I didn't I didn't read any either one. Step your game up, Roth. Reading Hattie appears, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> read a book. You said also you're rich when everyone in your crew is rich. Um the root of that tweet had to deal with um blacker pockets and black wealth renaissance if you look at the black wealth renaissance page i feel like i'm becoming an advocate for them because they do business how i do business and what's really crazy about it not to toot my own horn but and they actually told me this they said like i was the motivation for a lot of their business like the reason like they listened to the podcast and they've been following my work and that was a big part of the reason why they created their company and their organization and why they do business how they do business which means a lot but that's why I can see so much of my business style and what they're doing. And an example is like, I promote other people for free. I'm not over here like, oh, you got to pay me to promote you. Um, I've always wanted to be just a resource for the community. Not so much as, hey, I'm trying to make money off of you. But no, I'm trying to give to you. I always lead with the give. The reason why I can do business in every state of the United States is because I led with the give. I gave out an investment club. I gave out a podcast, which has allowed me to have members and connections in every single state. There's not a state that I can go to that I don't know somebody in now. And it used to be true because of the the frat, but now it's true because of my brand. And I actually like that more because the frat is too much politics and there's too much people say so. And it's too much like reputation and ego. Like this is just, it's all love, man. Like I'm giving to folks, I'm helping them invest. It's not like, Oh, we're cool because we're Greek. Like, no, we're we're just cool because we're doing the right stuff. So, um, the reason why I put that out there is because I can see the difference between Black Wealth Renaissance, which is what I would have done, and where Blacker Pockets is now. Now that I've left it, Blacker Pockets now that I've left it really is I don't know what it is. It's just uh, it's a bunch of nothing, a bunch of people just stealing people's posts and not really doing much of anything besides like try to sell ad space on a page they didn't build um and what frustrates me is like when i was there people didn't really respect what i was trying to do they're trying to rein it in they're trying to make it make sense for what they do business and how they do business and i was like i i just i'm a boss i i don't deal with people telling what to do well i don't deal with people putting debt i don't don't employ me i don't employ you don't employ me like we are equals in this but i just said because Black Wealth Renaissance, it's it's more of a we're we are going to win, not I'ma win because I sold you a bunch of promo and y'all just gonna be out there like struggling. Like I don't do it like that. You need it, we need a community. And I was listening to a point that I made on some content I dropped recently, and I was saying, like, we don't need a community where it's just one of us is winning. Like, if you go through Newport Beach, it's not just one rich person and a bunch of poor people. Like, no, everybody in Newport Beach is rich. Everybody in Balboa is rich. And so we have this this thinking that only one of us or two of us or a few of us can make it. No, we can all make it. And that's why I do business how I do it. And that's why 
people who invest me, they make more money than I make. They take 80, I take 20. It's not 50-50. It's not 75-25. And I do a lot of work. I do all the contracts for free. I do all the property management for free. I do so much for free, all because I wanted to grow the organization. But it's like, if you are rich and everybody around you is broke, you're not rich. And Jay-Z said it. It wasn't even a, a me quote. It was like Jay-Z. He said, he remeasure success by who else is rich around you or something along those lines. I know you know what I'm talking about, but it's like, that's how we should be conducting business. Like people always think that by sharing somebody else's content that you lose. I remember when I was at, at back at blacker pockets, one of the persons said like, why are you sharing bigger pockets if you're building blacker pockets? I was like, I believe in abundance, man. I believe that there's more than enough. I believe that my brand grows by sharing my brand by, by sharing your brand. It's not about like, I got to act as though you don't exist so I can build my company. And the problem is when you start dealing with people who are successful, you got to realize that like, even if they're more successful than you, you got to realize that where your vision is might be higher than what their current success is. And a lot of people can only see what their current success is. And so for me, I did so much because I was in law school for so long that people started thinking that because they were able to do certain things when I couldn't, that they were actually winning. And so now that I actually am like out here hustling and getting after it, they're starting to realize like Charles's vision is a lot bigger than our vision. I was looking at a lot in downtown LA and I was like, dang, the lot costs five mil, but if I can build 30 stories at 2 million a story, that's 60 million gross, less than 5 million. A lot of people aren't going to look at the big number. They're going to look at that five number, but you had to realize like, I'm not just doing Detroit stuff. I'm not just doing Atlanta stuff. I'm not just doing Baltimore stuff. I'm not just doing Mississippi stuff. I'm trying to do business nationwide. And so like, you got to like, I don't know. There's so much that's packed into that, but I just feel like mm -hmm. as a culture, as a community, we got to live to see other people win, not just to be the only person winning. And I think that's the reason why I was, I was reading the history of the black dollar and a big part of the reason why integration happened and why they burned down Black Wall Street is because we showed that we don't need you. We can, we can thrive if we operate within our own communities because a lot, a lot of people say like the reason why we could build so much black wealth during integrate or segregation is because you had no choice. You had to invest, you had to work, go to a, a black business. Right. And so I think that integration kind of was a big hustle. And I've said this before, but it's just unfortunate how we continue to kind of play those, play in the, to those hands as seen with the Jim Morrison criticism. Yeah, I saw they, uh, they dropped the, uh, that's one of the investigations on the Tulsa Real Estate Fund. They shouldn't have been, they should not have been investing, investigating them in the first place. The problem, see, this is the thing. The problem with a lot of ignorant motherfuckers is it's very easy to throw the word scam around. Very easy. Because if somebody's doing something you don't understand, you're going to call it a scam. If somebody's doing something that you think can't be done and they happen to get it done, you're going to call it a scam. If Tulsa Real Estate Fund would have went out there and raised nothing, people would have been like, ah, look at y'all. But they went out there and they're successful. So then they had to still find a way to crab it out. But the problem is then the authorities have to investigate you, whether it's factual or not. And so then it puts a black mark on that organization. I tell people like Tulsa real estate fund is one of a million funds that other communities have. There's people out there in other communities making money and they aren't famous. You don't know them. 
They got more money than all of us. They got Robert Smith money, and you don't even know him. We get somebody who makes a billy, and it's like nationwide headlines. There's so many, like, I, I found about this dude. He used to work at Facebook. He left Facebook to start his other company, and he, like, owns part of the Warriors, some, like, dude from Sri Lanka, and the guy's worth, like, $1.5 No, but Never heard of him. He's not an international superstar. And so it's like, we got to stop acting like we can't do it. And we got to stop criticizing those of us who do it. Because it's like, it's, I've seen it so many times on Twitter where people are just like, oh, well, you must be scamming people. Where that one dude, there's this guy who does like e-com. And they like, they're like saying like, oh, this must be a scam. It's like, bro, it's like, how come when we win, it's a scam. But when we lose, it's oppression. Like, that's, it's stupid. We are our own worst enemy. Uh, can't can't win for losing. Can't about to smoke my cigar, man. Cigar talk time. (laughs) (laughs) Cigar tizzard. And on that note, let's take a quick break. This is Elwood of Mindset Matters Tees. We offer merchandise with quotes that help shape your mindset. You can find us at www.mindsetmatterstees.com. But yeah, I feel, I feel like if, and that's everything I do is community oriented. Everything I do is us oriented. Like how can I improve the community? And what's crazy about it is I was thinking about that this morning. I was like, in a lot of ways, we lose by chasing the ROI. Like, you don't see Jews over here like, oh, I just need to invest wherever I get the best ROI. You don't see Asians over here like, I need to invest wherever I get the best ROI. Like, no, I invest in my community, and I just so happen to get the best ROI. It's so deep, and it's so tough for me to break down. But, I mean, you're creating jobs, which creates employment, which uh, ends, like, homelessness, which creates family which increases the property value. There's this Jewish dude that I work with and he was telling me that like in Jews, you're encouraged to live in the Jewish community because it increases the property value, but you also lose power when you're not together. And like, he was just so dead serious. And so like, there's ideas that we talk about on the internet that other communities live and die by. Like the group economic stuff that we just kind of talk about, like, oh, yeah, group economics. Like, no, they, they seriously believe that stuff. And they're like, We're, if it's not group, group economics, I can't mess with it. And that's why they win. And that's why they're secure. And that's why they don't have any problems. And that's why they can show up to the job and be subpar and still have a job. Because if you are working in somebody else's organization, you got to be excellent. You got to right. show up before them, leave after them. You cannot have any flaws. You got to dress better than them, speak better than them. You got to be on your P's and Q's. But I found that if you come from that culture, you can be average and still be in the same space as somebody who's excellent. And that's what we got to oh, build yeah. our own spaces. Because yeah. the thing is, is all of us aren't going to be excellent. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be able to live a comfortable life just because you're not excellent. Those of us that are excellent are supposed to provide that for those of us who aren't. That's what a society does. You got Steph Curry's, you got Draymond Green's, you got bench players. But if we're all working as a team, the bench players can still eat. Draymond Green can still get a chip. And so it's like, if we are over here like, well, dang, Steph, just go play for the Lakers. The Warriors are going to be out here losing because we're so focused on, like, 
well, I made it. I made it to the Lakers. You better get yours. It's like they're never going to win because they needed you, Steph. Maybe if you, if you just stayed with the Warriors, this culture will be winning. But, and again, the team can't be, like, villainizing and beating up and trying to kill Steph Curry when he's in the hood because that's the, the alternative. Yeah, it's all a balance. Uh, like you said, excellent have to provide the opportunities for the average. That's a bar, man. I said like that. that I said that. Something like that. Pretty close. Pretty close. Yeah, Pretty, close. Pretty close. You could take you could take that. Thank you. <laughs> uh, it's like the drink champs, because I don't know if you know this, but I'll be drinking during these things. No, I did not know that. It's definitely the drink champs. I, I, you know, I got to have a little – I got to take the edge off. I go hard, man. People don't realize. So I got to get home and take the edge off a little bit. This guy. They're ruining all the mystery. He's smoking cigars. Taking shots. I don't know, man. You're giving too much information. <laughs> Ah, cigar talk, man. I, I see this. Um, I think you saw the post where he posted. Uh, this this lady, she, she black black woman. She has her own business called Lashes and Mustaches. She puts on like premium luxury cigar and like uh risky tasting events. Mm-hmm. It's all about cigars. But with some some kind of alcohol, she always she always does with it. She appear she she appears certain cigars with certain alcohols. She throws on these luxury events, and I'm like, Todd Mini needs to throw a real a real life cigar. I think I, I think I do. That's a very good idea. It'll be sponsored by Bless a Black Man. Speaking of Bless a Black Man, shout out Bless a Black Man. Hey. I'm trying to literally change the culture of African-American men and change the brand. And the, the funny thing about it is I'm, I, I kind of got this idea from the Kanye line. And he said, he said, what do you say? He said, penitentiary chances. What do you say? Dang. I got to find the line because it's dang. I think I know you're talking about, but I don't remember that line. I don't remember that line either. I know the, the punchline, but I kind of want to say the whole line. So I'm Googling it right now. Uh, right. All right. By the way, if you Okay, go ahead. All right. He says, I think this is wrong. The, you know, sometimes the lyrics are wrong. Yeah. Okay. Penitentiary chances, the devil dances. And eventually answers to the call of autumn. All of them fallen for the love of balling. Got caught with 30 rocks. The cop looked like Alan Baldwin. Inner century anthems based off inner century ta- inner city tantrums. Based off the way it was branded. Face it, Jerome get more time than Brandon. And at the airport, they check all through my bag and act like it was random. But we stay winning. I love that line. I love... so. What song is that? It's uh, it's gorgeous by Kanye West, Kid Cudi. But so, 
one of the things that I take is he says based off the way we was branded. And I found that like we are branded very negatively. If you watch the news, all you see is thugs. If you if you watch movies, all you see is thugs. If you watch TV, all you see is thugs. And so I was like, you know what? I got to rebrand the black man and I got to do it through media because that's how they do it. So I'm, I'm going to keep showing you good images. And that's why I like Tyler Perry movies because for the most part, he shows good images of black, successful, healthy families, professional careers. But the, my favorite part of this whole thing is he says, but we stay winning because it's so true. And it's like, despite everything that you go through, we still winning. Like, I feel like I am winning. I walk around people like I am winning. And so, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, I just, that's kind of, that was, that was a part of the motivation behind the blessed black man movement, but also just seeing the homelessness, of course. And it's like, I'm always trying to be solutions oriented. I have so many different businesses and brands these days. It's nuts, but I got to just put people in place to run them. But that's kind of where we are right now. Next question. Yeah. Well, for those listening, check out the Instagram, blessed black man. Check it out. Next question. Let's go. You already answered this pretty much. Get rich. The community is still broke. You're whack. Mm-hmm. See, for every platform is for the people and not just their pockets. Shout out to Blackwell Renaissance, like them guys. Okay, so you said there's a certain level of critical thinking that comes with higher education that is deeper than just memorization. So I say this because a lot of people, when they think of like education and college, they think that it's really just memorizing facts. But in a lot of ways, they teach you how to think. I know law school is very big on teaching you how to think. Um, and I mean, undergrad college was kind of the same way. And then grad school MBA program is the same way. It's all about how you think. It's not about like, oh, memorize all these different case studies and then go. No, it's like learn how to think. And I say that that's important because I find that a lot of people, when they invest or they do business, they're really looking for a shortcut. They're looking for somebody else to show them what they should be doing. They're looking for somebody else to tell them what the current trend is, what the current hot strategy is. And the problem with that is then you have a lot of people who aren't thinkers as much as they are just copiers and followers. And that's what creates red oceans. And that's what creates crashes. And that's what creates bubbles is people just blindly following other people. Warren Buffett said it himself. He said that, you know, that we're in a, in a, in a bubble territory when idiots start investing. And I don't mean to insult people, but if you aren't in the space, you are an idiot in that space. I'm not, not, imagine if we, if they said, oh, well, surgeons make a lot of money. And so I was over here trying to be a surgeon based off of somebody else telling me how to do surgery. I might kill somebody. And there's a lot of people out here not putting respect on finance and investing in business and they're going to kill somebody. Um, And I just, I see it forming. I've seen it form in Bitcoin. Um, where we told people like Bitcoin is stupid and people kept on saying, no Bitcoin this. And they got so cocky, so arrogant. Used to see people would come at me crazy over Bitcoin. The same way people talk to me about Bitcoin is how they talk to me about Burr investing right now. 
And so they talked to me about all these different strategies that are hot and they're popping. And like, look at me, I'm making money. Look at me, I'm like, yeah, Bitcoin people made money too until they lost it all. And so I just, I just, I just say that it's not just about, it's not just about memorization, meaning that like, okay, you heard about the burst strategy. That's great. You memorize something, you know, buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. But do you know what's going to happen when the market shifts and interest rates go up? Can you predict what's going to happen? Can you forecast what's going to go happen? Because that's what investors do. We forecast, we predict, we go where the puck is going, not where it's been. I tell people like, you were successful if you were in Detroit two years ago, not if you're in Detroit now that everybody else is saying it's hot. You might be buying somebody's exit strategy at that point. And that's not how you make money investing. You make money investing by being the person that sells. So that's kind of what I was saying with that is like, you have to learn to think, not just repeat. Because right, people say like, they had like uh, you, can, you can just get a college degree if you just stay long enough. Uh, <laughs> it's cool. I remember one time uh, Dave Ramsey was talking about how um, he doesn't have an MBA, but he likes to hire MBAs because he says people with an MBA, you could tell that their thinking is different. Mm-hmm. He says, I've, I've seen that. Different. I've seen that even with like partners that I work with. Like, there are certain people that I'm willing to hand over certain aspects of Thai capital, and almost all of them have degrees. Candace has a degree. And quite honestly, I wasn't even really confident in handing over everything to her on like the Thai Capital Investment Club side, the Thai Consulting side, until she had her degree. Before then, I was like, uh, I don't know. Jamal has multiple degrees. Cedric and Alum both have degrees. And it's like, I have a certain level of confidence in them because they're educated because it's not just what they know. In a lot of ways, it's not even what you get your degree in that matters. It's just a matter of that you did it. Um, and I think that's why my wife and I picked each other because we know that we can stick to one thing until we're done. And I was to my mom, like we have this conversation a lot. Like a lot of times, like a degree isn't just about the degree. The degree is about the circle that you get put in. All my friends are massively successful. If you look at my line, all the guys that I crossed through Phi Beta Sigma with, there's, there's four of us who finished college, five of us that finished uh, pledging. Of those four, two of them have doctorate degrees. One has an MBA, and then, of course, I have my JD, and I'm getting my MBA. And so if you look at our line, it's massively successful, but those are my friends. Those are the people whose kids my kids are going to hang out with. Those are the people whose wife my wife is going to hang out with. And so it's not just about the degree. It's so much deeper than just the degree. Um, I, I could go on and on. I have this conversation with people, people all the time. It's kind of like how buying a home isn't just about the roof. It isn't about just how much, how much money you're spending. There's so many things in life, and I think we're going to go here, is there's so many things in life that are just good decisions, right? And so one of the things you said is, um, I've been making good decisions my whole life. You just started making good decisions. And so, like, I had a consulting call with somebody who was in his 40s, and he was telling me all the stuff he knew and his strategy in real estate and how he's going to do this and how he's going to do that, how he's going to get in trucking, how he's going to start trading stocks, how he's going to do all this stuff. But, like, for the most part, he's lived, like, a really effed up life up until his 40s. And I was like, I've been making the right steps my entire life. I didn't just start doing this. Um, 
and I feel like that's important because in a lot of instances, people don't make good strategy, don't make good decisions because they just don't have the intellect to make good decisions. And I don't mean that to be like rude, but you got to really have intelligence to sift through everything or lack intelligence to sift through everything and still choose the wrong choice. It's like, there's a flaw and maybe IQ there. I'm not really big on IQ, but I say all that to say, it's like people got to stop debating and start just taking the advice and running with it. And I felt almost like Pocky. Pocky would get on these conference calls with people and it turned into a debate. It's like, I didn't come to you for advice. I didn't pay you a hundred bucks to talk to you for an hour. You paid me a hundred bucks to talk to me for an hour. So therefore you should probably do more listening than combating. So I just, I just thought that was kind of interesting. Right, right, right. It's like, uh, you said, uh, some of us know real estate and finance. Some of us know what the latest guru trend is. Right. I I feel like you got to know finance and investing at a fundamental level to do finance and investing at a professional level. And there's so many people that want to do finance and investing at a professional level that only really know what they learned at the last seminar that they went to. They don't understand how interest rates affect stuff. They don't understand how supply and demand affects stuff. They don't understand how um, market trends affect stuff. All they know is somebody told me I got to find a property that's under market value, buy it, rehab it, and rent it out. And I have a problem with that because what happens when you can't do that? Then what are you going to do? Wait for the guru to determine what's next? Like you got to be out there creating your own strategy. You got to be out there. That's how you find Detroit. Every smart guru person told me not to invest in Detroit. Every smart guru person. We make 70% ROI on our deals. On a, on a on on a deal I never stepped foot in. I told somebody today I was like, "I've there. We own homes. I've literally never even went inside of. And quite honestly, if I have it my way, I would never go inside of them. I just I, I have no interest in going inside of their house. I'm sorry. And so, but you don't you don't get there by following somebody else because there's a lot of people who are now they're in Detroit because they're following somebody else. But the problem with that is that what happens when that opportunity is dead? Like I'm over here looking at, okay, like the next opportunity is HBCUs. Like I can spot the next opportunity. I determine what the next opportunity is. I'm not waiting for somebody else to determine what the next opportunity is. That's how you stay. That's how you lose. I, I, I don't know. You got to be the man, not the follower. Uh, it's like, uh, I don't know if you saw this one, but Erica, Erica Williams had a video, I think it was earlier this week saying you got to create the wave, not just ride the wave. Absolutely. I, I feel like it's very dangerous to ride the wave. And so, like, that's why I don't want to. It's, I don't, if, if riding the wave, if being second to the, to the party was lucrative, I'll be like, cool. But, no, I've seen it go bad too many times. I've seen it in the stock market where I would buy a stock because it's hot and I would lose. And so I started realizing, like, that's not the wave. The wave is you got to buy what's not hot and make it hot. Otherwise, you're going to be on the downside. And so people are doing that in Detroit. They're buying what's hot now. People are doing that in Burr Investing. They're buying what's popular now. And so I've kind of created a mantra. And this it's a mantra that was actually um, kind of confirmed by Warren Buffett and my readings on Warren Buffett. 
Um, I read his book, The Snowball. I also read The University of Warren Buffett. I read a lot of books. And um, they were just talking about how, I mean, I can't really give you an, a direct quote, but it kind of is the same thing I always talk about all the time. Like, I don't buy what's popular. I don't buy what's hot. I buy what's not. And so that's, that's kind of what creating the wave is. They say that the market that is hot is the market that you make hot. And that's kind of what I've done with Detroit. I've done multiple podcasts on Detroit. I put on a ton of social media on Detroit. I've made it pop. And granted, I saw that it was a great opportunity because of the other investments that are there. But I helped participate in making it pop by making it pop. And that's how you get rich in America. You make it pop. It doesn't say become great again. He says make America great again. And if you follow Donald Trump's history, he has a strong history of making things great again. I wrote a whole blog on that. Is there is a lot of wealth in making things great again. Gentrification is good business because they make it great again. Manhattan used to be super run down, but now it's not. It's great again. Pasadena used to be very run down. Now it's great again. Detroit's going to be the same way. Downtown Detroit property these days is selling for just insane amounts. When Ford announced that they were going to be buying that train station, there were properties in Detroit, like commercial properties, that literally doubled in asking price overnight. Doubled. They went from $2 million to $4 million because they made it great again. Making is an effort. We got to start putting more effort into what we want to be great. And that's the same thing is true with marriage. The same thing is true with your job. If you don't put effort into it, it's probably not going to become great. It's probably going to stay average. You're going to blame everything but yourself when the only thing that was holding it back from being average was you. If you would have put the effort into it, if you would have made it that way, it would have become that way. Hear that. Say, uh, folks, learn a little something, something from YouTube, <laughs> and they want to start challenging your boy. <laughs> it happens a lot, man. It, I think it, that all kind of that kind of stemmed on to the consulting call. He was a very smart, sophisticated guy. He was talking about buying a property, two or three k, and then also buying a property and living with his parents on paper and like it was a very it was a very sophisticated plan. It was I was like, wow, this is nice. But like he was a truck driver. Mm-hmm. And nothing against truck drivers, but I was like, where did you get all this knowledge from? Like this is great stuff. He was like, oh, I just I just ride on the street, listen to YouTube. And so like, I mean it's great. It's admirable. He could be listening to rap music. But I said that to say that like again, there are those of us that know like the strategy And there are those of us that understand why the strategy works. And it's very important to know the fundamentals of why things work, because as things change, just today, interest rates went down a quarter percent, or they're talking about it. I'm not sure the actual news, but like you, you can't prepare for that. You got to know on, on a knowledge level, like there are things that doctors know I could never even fathom. I don't even know it. There are things that like, all these professors, like engineers, no, I could, I, I just, I couldn't even touch it. But I know finance, and I know accounting, and I know business. And so it's not so much as like just memorizing E equals MC square. You got to know why E is E. You got to know why equals MC, like whatever that formula is. Like that's what's so important. And so that's what I tell people because it happens all the time. All the time people get on Instagram, and they start like challenging me or Twitter and they start challenging me. And in order for us to have a conversation, I literally have to like teach them 
And so my goal these days is like, you teach me, educate me, tell me why. And they usually disappear and they don't say anything because they don't know. All they know how to say is like, this doesn't seem right. Well, bro, like maybe you didn't watch enough YouTube videos. Go back to YouTube. I'll let your boy. <laughs> you know, when I got with my, um, my financial, when I was getting ready to get to have my call, my financial coach from go to stay, I was worried. I was like, I had to make sure that I wasn't going to try to think that I'm too smart for the, the plan that they were giving me. Like, you know, like I'm, I'm getting with them so I can get a plan. Let me make sure I don't feel like I'm so smart that I can just do my own thing and just say, uh, forget what they're saying. Mm. And so you mess yourself up, man. Thinking you're too smart. Yeah. And you said, um, if your home isn't an asset, then what is renting? Renting is a double liability. It's like losing twice. I feel like that tweet speaks for itself, but it's just interesting because you have Gary uh, Grant Cardone who says like, oh, it's stupid to buy a house. Don't buy a house. Yeah. Or you have like all these people who say, oh, a home isn't an asset, so I don't, I don't need it. And it's just funny to me because I feel like the only time we really use logic is when it doesn't serve us. I feel like it kind of speaks to the point where people only really have a, a, a cursory knowledge of the subject. And so they, they finally learn what an asset is and what a liability is. And they also learn that Robert Kiyosaki said your home is not an asset. Well, just right. because your home is not an asset doesn't mean it's not wise to own it. Um, people have lives full of liabilities, but when it comes to something that can actually be passed down to their kids, they're like, oh, well, it's not an asset, so I don't need it. I think it's silly. Um, your home is an asset in a lot of ways that might not be just financial especially if you look at just such a, a, a very limited definition of an asset takes money out of your pocket or a liability takes money out of your pocket and asset puts money into it. Wow. It's a very limited, uh, very narrow definition of what an asset is because I would argue that if owning something improves the life of those around you, if owning something makes your family more secure, if owning something makes you a better human being, if owning something makes you stronger financially via equity and via the fact that your, your mortgage won't increase year over year, like your rent will, that is an asset. And so I agree with Kiyosaki on a lot of things. I have never really agreed with him on that concept. I also don't agree with Grant Cardone because I feel like he's a salesman and he's trying to sell you into renting more of his apartments. He owns about 10,000 of them now. And so if he's over here telling you to buy a house, he's also going to lose customers. I liken it to the cigar smoker, to the uh, cigarette companies who told you that smoking cigarettes was cool. He's really just telling you like it's cool to rent so that he can get more renters. Just like they told you it was cool to smoke so they could sell you more cigarettes. Yep. Like Jay Morrison says, you got to live somewhere anyway. Right. And well, a lot of people. Think, I was saying like, if you think it's, the wealth gap is bad now and like, what what's gonna happen if every, all black people decide well a home is it really an asset I don't need to focus on that and then you look up fifty years from now you and every single home is owned by somebody else but by another race right and they and they raised your your rent or they kicked you out on the street 
and now you have nothing. My my grandma, she lives in a neighborhood in uh, Atlanta. She bought this house about 20 years ago for like $40,000. And now the homes in that area are selling for like 250 because they're in the process of trying to gentrify her neighborhood. Um, she lives in Decatur, which is really close to like downtown. But what's interesting is that they can't kick her out. All they can do is mail her letters. Like that's all they can do. They're going to continue to mail her letters um, because if they can't buy it, then they're kind of SOL. And so like ownership is about security. There's a lot of African-American people who have homes and aren't homeless because they just were wise enough to buy their home. And so now they're, they didn't get kicked out. They're not getting strapped uh, to pay high rent and ever increasing rent. They're not on TV complaining about being kicked out of their house and talking about gentrification is going to kick us out. And so I feel like ownership, and this is why people own, like Jay Morrison was on Vlad and he got into this debate about ownership and Vlad was saying like, oh, I feel like African-American people just feel like they need to own everything because they've been displaced. I was like, you're damn right. And I'm, I'm okay with that. Like, so you would do what you got to do if you had a history that we've had where people have been disenfranchised, where people have been taken advantage of, where people have been hustled, where people have been had things taken from them. Like maybe he can't relate, but that doesn't mean it's invalid. He just can't relate. And so be it. People don't have to validate what we're doing to secure our future for our heirs. They don't even have to understand it. I don't care if they understand it. They might not ever understand it. They won't because they probably can't understand it. And that's okay. We don't need them to understand it. We just got to know that we got to do what we got to do. We got to do what's best for us. Um, we gotta... um, one of my favorite quotes in the book, The Solution by Jay Morrison, which is another book that I read. Um, mm -hmm. He said that we don't need other people's approval to move in the best interest of, of our community, just like they don't wait for, the, for our approval. You don't see Asians or Jews or white people over here making moves for their community as long as we approve of it. They do it because it benefits them, period. But I feel like in a lot of ways, we're seeking their approval, even, even to the point of saying, oh, well, Jay Morrison's fund has to be approved by the SEC and has to be approved by, like, F them, man. That is nothing but a bunch of old people who probably come from a history of slave owners. Like, they do not have your best interest at heart. The only people that have your best interest at heart are the people like Jim Morrison, are the people like me, are the people like Raphael, but you want to pass on that responsibility to the government. Y'all some idiots, man. Straight idiots. Idiots. Yeah. Approval. It's kind of like, kind of like what um, your favorite life coach, your favorite 24-year-old life coach said, Prince Donnell, he's talking about the um, Better Business Bureau. Mm -hmm. And he said, why do people look, why do people care so much about if a company has the triple B's seal of approval? It's just uh, it's like a subscription started by some guy just decided to make it up and charge people for it. Like there's nothing really behind it. Right. It's just, it me. you pay me money and I give you a seal of approval. So you're a good business. That's it. It, re it reminds me of, um, I think Dr. Boyce Watkins or Dr. Claude Anderson says it, probably Dr. Claude Anderson. He says that black people are the best white supremacists. We promote white supremacy better than anybody because we're always talking about what they do better, what we can't do, 
how their ice is colder, how their organizations are better, how their organizations are better run. Like we do all the work for them. They don't even got to promote white supremacy anymore. We do it all for them. They don't even got to lynch people anymore. We do it all for them. They don't even have to break up the family anymore. We do it all for them. We are literally, everything they used to do, we do it against ourselves. It doesn't have to be that way, though. Like, I only, I only talk about that because it's like, it doesn't have to be that way. We can change it if we can recognize that what we're doing is wrong. Yeah, well, we got we to gotta face that. Got to say so what's I, wrong is wrong. Right? I think the last tweet was contractor power. I kind of want to touch on that really quick. And what I meant by that is I was drafting up the contract for our contractor to rehab this house. And when he did the first house, we just had an agreement that he was going to get it turnkey for a certain number. And that was it. That was all we had. And now I'm like, I'm not sending you money without a contract. What do I look like? Boo-boo the fool. And so as I was writing out the contract, I realized I can literally write in all the things I want him to do. And I know all the things now because, I mean, I've had an inspection agreement. I've done a rehab A to Z before I had not. Um, And so I can say, I want this done. I want the floor to look like this. I want the walls to be this color. I want the finishes to be this. I want this to be tile. I want this to be that. I want this to be that. Um, and I realized that like I did the same thing with the barbershop agreement. I told him I want the lease payment to be 50% of the gross rental of the gross revenue for the barbershop, but not less than $1,000 a month. And so I can write in whatever I want. I don't have to, like, it's not take or leave it. I can literally just, like, create the world that I want through a contract. And they can either agree or they can disagree. They can negotiate or they can't negotiate. But just the what I've done alone has given me more power. I have more power over the rehab process because I can write the terms into the agreement as I see fit. So where we have an understanding of what turnkey is. We have an understanding of what that floor is going to look like. We have an understanding of what my kitchen is going to look like. We still have a debate today where I'm like, I want my cabinets painted white. And he was like, no, I'm going to just leave them stained. I'm like, who's paying who? But now I write that <laughs> into the contract. It's, it's crazy. But, like, he just, he just can always back out and say, well, you said turnkey. It's turnkey. And so now it's like, as you do things, you get better. As you do more rehabs, you get better. As you do more rehabs, you get more confidence. And so now I have way more confidence. I'll just write it into the contract. You can agree, you can disagree, but if you agree to it and then you don't do what I say you do, then we have a cause of action. Then we have a lawsuit. Then there's potential damages. And that's where having a law degree helps. Having all these degrees definitely helps my business because there's nothing that I can't do. I'm not over here like, oh, we got to get a lawyer to write a contract. No, I draft the contract. Oh, we got to get somebody to look at the spreadsheet and, and structure it. I drafted the spreadsheet. Check it out. See if it complies. So, um Contracts are power. Knowledge is power. Reading is power. Get the power. And on that note, on that note, we'll be wrapping it up. Episode nine. We talk. Shout out to uh, Mindset Matters T. New sponsor of the show. Shout out to everybody, Todd Capital, HBCU Capital, 
Till later, Charles. Peace. Peace. Was I supposed to give an announcement? I don't know. Check us out all over the place. You know where to find us. Uh, HBCU Capital. Um, check out Black Wealth Renaissance. Capitaltalk.com. Capital check us out on Instagram. Check us out. Millionaire. Black Wealth Tweet Talk on Instagram. Bless a Black Man on Instagram. Man, you know, the last thing I'm going to say is it's really cool to see online businesses become like real life businesses to the point where it's like now we're out here taking our virtual brands and making them real life brands so shout out to you we got to get a tweet talk shirt we got to get tweet talk hats bless a black man hats it goes down yep yeah